tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's January 19th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got one special brief for you this morning that is shaping America and the world. Today, we focus on North Korea. At the CIA, we would call this an executive brief, where the president hears a small piece of intel from, say, the daily brief or reads a headline in the press and asks the CIA experts for a deep dive to understand exactly what is going on in a country or with a leader, why, and what comes next. Today's executive brief is on that Asian country of North Korea, all because of this. Their communist dictator, Kim Jong-un, has made the strategic decision to go to war. I'll share with you three developments that lead to that assessment, and we will ask and answer the questions of why, why right now, and what comes next. We will also talk about how this new assessment, which, by the way, was echoed by the White House yesterday, how it will impact you. Later, an update on the saga of the right report being chosen or targeted by the company called NewsGuard. I will give you the dirty details on what I says to be a pretty dirty partisan organization. But first... Let's get to that executive brief of the morning. We begin with a sobering new assessment. North Korea's leader has made the strategic decision to go to war. That comes from a U.S.-based think tank on North Korea called 38 North. Based on my professional experiences, I place high confidence in their assessments. Can't tell you much more than that, but there you are. 38 North bases their assessment on at least three recent developments, and they're big ones. So let's talk about each of them. First... Earlier this week, North Korea's communist dictator Kim Jong-un said that reunification of his country with South Korea is impossible. That is a dramatic departure from the policies of his father and grandfather, Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. Those were the founders and previous dictators of North Korea, respectively. For some quick history here, Kim Jong-un's grandfather, he was the founder of North Korea, he oversaw the war with what we now call South Korea. That war ended in the year 1953, although the nations are still technically at war. The two countries have never signed a peace treaty. But even still, the father and grandfather always held the belief that the two Koreas would unite once again someday. But the grandson, the current leader, Kim Jong-un, he has decided that that is impossible, certainly under peaceful terms. He announced this week to his rubber stamp parliament that The North Korean constitution must now be amended, specifically to make clear that South Korea is, quote, a primary foe and invariable principal enemy, end quote. Mr. Kim then made very clear that this was a, quote, new stand for his North Korean government. And if there were any doubt about this being a profound break from his father and grandfather, he announced that he would dismantle a massive arch that was built by his father to encourage the North Korean people to believe in and hope for reunification. 
Mr. Kim, however, said that thing is an eyesore and that, quote, we must completely eliminate such concepts as reunification, reconciliation, and fellow countrymen from the national history of our republic, end quote. So that's the first piece of intel suggesting that something dramatic is underway and that Mr. Kim has made the strategic decision for war. Second, this morning, we also know this. North Korea is expanding their production of conventional weapons, and they are growing much more confident in both the quality and ability to use them. Now, this won't come as a surprise to you all. As listeners will recall from previous briefs, Pyongyang has been selling Soviet-era artillery shells to Moscow for their war in Ukraine. At least one million shells have been provided as of this recording, and those sales have brought in significant cash for North Korea, which they certainly need. The Hermit Kingdom, which is how North Korea is often referred to, it is under the world's most intense set of sanctions on virtually every part of its economy. But more than that, this artillery exchange with Moscow has brought Pyongyang some much-needed technology. The Russians have agreed to help Mr. Kim with his space program, which is really about advancing his intercontinental ballistic missile program that is designed to hit the United States with their nuclear weapons. Pyongyang has got probably dozens and dozens of warheads at present. To underline the point of their cooperation, earlier this week, Russian President Vladimir Putin met with North Korea's foreign minister, with his senior staff later confirming that Moscow and Pyongyang were working together on all sorts of things to include, quote, sensitive areas, end quote. Meanwhile, satellite images confirmed that a port city and a rail yard near the Russian-North Korean border is now running full tilt. That is a change from just about a year ago when those facilities were all but abandoned. I should note that the shipments from Pyongyang to Moscow, they go well beyond artillery shells. North Korea is also selling to Russians one of its more advanced missiles. It's called the Hwasong-11. Those things can reliably hit targets with a pretty good degree of precision at a range of about 500 miles. It's a type of missile that Moscow was running short of in Ukraine, but no longer. For what it's worth, these Hwasong 11s cost about 5 million bucks a piece to manufacture and assemble. Analysts say that Moscow is probably paying a lot less than $5 million, instead offering Pyongyang either commodities or bartering for other goods that Mr. Kim either needs or wants. And those goods include alcohol plus prescription drugs. As listeners will likely recall, I briefed you on how Mr. Kim started drinking heavily by the age of 14. He is also a chain smoker, he is obese, and he is prone to emotional outbursts. In short, this guy is not well. One final thing to note about North Korea's weapon sales, Mr. Kim is also making money from his military sales to Iran's proxy groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Houthis. As I briefed you on previously, the Israeli government has found North Korean weapons of all kinds during their operations in the Gaza Strip. Based on my sources, U.S. and European intelligence agencies back up that Israeli assessment. Meanwhile, I've also shared with you how North Korea has sold substantial military technology to the Iranian government itself, helping them to advance their alleged space program, which is really a way for Tehran to develop the missiles that they need to hit both Israel and Europe with both conventional and nuclear warheads. In short, then, this second category of intel this morning 
is that North Korea is selling an increasing amount of its weaponry from missiles to artillery systems to both make a bunch of money and learn about some new advanced technologies, especially from the Russians. Third and finally this morning, we have this. The North Korean government claimed on Monday to have successfully tested a solid fuel missile tipped with a hypersonic warhead. All right, let's unpack that. Let's talk about why this is important. And to do so, let us think about a rough analogy. Let's say that you have a gas-powered car. You often need to stop, fuel up. The tank has to be filled with gas. You have to check the engine for oil. And that takes time. Also, logistics, like a chain of gasoline stations that go all the way back to a refinery and oil wells. But let's say you have a battery-powered car. So long as there is an initial charge, you just start that thing up and away you go. Now, during the Dirty Green series, we talked about how that might still present a whole series of problems for that EV. But the point regarding missiles is this. Roughly speaking, solid fuel missiles are kind of like the EVs. They can be fired up quickly right out of the gate. They don't need to be filled up with a liquid fuel or the logistic chains involved. Solid fuel rockets, by the way, they run on a powder, uh, usually aluminum, along with what is called an oxidizer, usually something called ammonium perchlorate. And while liquid fuel rockets do have some advantages to them, the solid fuel rockets are very critical for North Korea for this next reason. They are easier to hide and fire when you're under attack. They're also usually easier and safer to operate. So that is why North Korea has long sought and now has solid fuel rockets. Let's now talk about the second part of this solid fuel rocket system that they just tested. They're carrying hypersonic warheads or weapons. So here's the upshot. Despite the name, the key benefit of a hypersonic weapon really isn't speed. It's the fact that they can be maneuvered or steered, and that allows them to avoid being destroyed by, say, a missile defense system. In North Korea's case, this design would be incredibly helpful to hit the U.S. homeland, of course, but especially Guam, where the U.S. has several military bases that are being plussed up right now for a possible war with China. So those are the three key developments this morning, with the first being new war rhetoric out of Pyongyang. The second are those North Korean weapons sales leading to both cash and technological advances. The third is this new type of missile that Mr. Kim now has in his arsenal. That's that solid fuel rocket. Those three things, plus a smattering of other more minor developments, are what prompted this group called 38 North to determine that Mr. Kim Jong-un has made a strategic decision to go to war. I should say, though, that they added that they don't know when or how Mr. Kim plans to pull the trigger. One last thing. Some of you all might be thinking to yourselves, hmm, Brian is basing this brief on just one source from 38 North? Well, that's kind of odd. Sounds a little bit weak. Well, all right, but consider this. The White House said yesterday that these moves out of North Korea are unprecedented. Their lead arms control manager for North Korea said, quote, I say unprecedented very deliberately. We have never seen this before, end quote. So with those facts and data now in hand, ladies and gentlemen, let me pivot to my analysis and opinion. Again, asking these questions, why now? What's going on? Well, let's get to that analysis, but let's do so after our first break. For subscribers listening this morning at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. It is you and your financial support that are keeping this podcast alive. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, I thank you as well. 
I encourage you to do your part this morning and support the companies that support me. You will hear about them shortly. We'll be right back. My friends, for the past few months, you have heard me talk about Jace Medical. It's the company that provides you medication for emergency use like antibiotics. Also, they get you backup prescriptions for things like cholesterol, diabetes, and blood pressure. And here's why I love Jace Medical so much. If you are a farming or a ranching family or you live in the back 40, it is pretty tough to get a hold of a doctor, to travel to the appointment, get the prescription, you fill it, and so forth. But with Jace Medical, all you have to do is fill out a simple online form and in some cases have a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. And then you get the medication right in the mail. You also get ongoing care from Jace Physicians about any treatment-related questions, which is fantastic. In other words, folks, you get peace of mind, you get convenience, and you get an emergency supply of medicines no matter where you are. And that is great for a lot of people, rural families, folks who are traveling, or those of us who might be a little bit anxious these days about our unpredictable world, and you might prefer to have an emergency supply of medicines on hand. And that's kind of smart. So do what I've done. Go to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Enter that promo code right W. R-I-G-H-T is the spelling. And when you do, you will get a right report discount. Again, my friends, go to jacemedical.com, promo code right, and get the supply of medicines you need, folks, shipped straight to your door. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey everybody, Brian here. I want to tell you about a product that's important to me, but first, something that you might not know. Of the 100 prescription drugs that Americans use most, 83 are sourced from abroad and virtually all of it comes from either China or India. And I think that that is absolutely awful. And so too do the folks at arcseedkits.com. They provide heirloom seeds that can grow medicinal herbs year after year for a whole host of ailments from anxiety to sleeplessness to topical pain. But beyond medicines, their all-in-one seed kit also gets you 65 varieties of fruits and vegetables from carrots to tomatoes, onions to peppers. And that, my friends, is food security. And that's important because I believe that the likelihood of a war between China and the United States is growing. And that means that we need to be prepared to protect ourselves and our families. And that is why I believe, my friends, in arcseedkits.com. Those are heirloom seeds that can be used year after year for whatever the future might hold. So go to arcseedkits.com, enter that promo code of right like my last name, and then you will get 10% off. So yes, go to arcseedkits.com today. You will not regret this investment. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with my analysis and opinion this morning from our lead report about North Korea. So to recap, North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un has decided to make a strategic decision to go to war. That was echoed by the White House yesterday. These developments that we are seeing are absolutely unprecedented. So we must ask, what's really going on? Why now? 
what's going on inside of North Korea, maybe around Asia or around the world that would prompt Mr. Kim to make this big decision? Well, here's my analysis and opinion on those questions as we dive into this executive brief. Let's start inside of North Korea this morning and let's start with some history. In December of 2012, Mr. Kim became the dictator of that communist country. His father had died earlier in that month and as planned, he was anointed the new dear leader. He had no experience. He was viewed widely as being a child, even though he was 27. And that's because this guy was spoiled, he was a partier, and he was immature. So the assumption at the time was that senior people around him in Pyongyang would either tutor him or, frankly, kind of puppeteer him, especially his uncle. And he probably knew that. And that is why his leadership at first was absolutely ruthless. He had his uncle killed in a dramatic and very public way. We believe it was in a stadium that was filled with onlookers, elites of Pyongyang, and he was shot with anti-aircraft machine guns. There was nothing left of this guy but just mist. Uh, that is the generally accepted version of things. Then, four years later, he had his half-brother assassinated using two secret agents, both women, who smeared a chemical agent on his face called VX. The brother, by the way, might have been a CIA asset. The point is that this young, immature kid turned dictator came out of the chute like a wild bull trying to prove himself as his own man and deal with anyone who might try to take his power with absolute brutality. And he has done that now for the past 10 years. So knowing that as background, we can now place some of these developments within that context. And I will offer you this with medium confidence. He is trying to separate himself from his father and his grandfather, both in his mind and amongst the elites. This is now year 10 of him trying to do this, a mental journey of becoming his own man and doing things his own way. In this case, he's challenging the, the, the cult-like following that his people have had for his father and grandfather. He's starting to tear them down bit by bit to build himself up as the new and only dear leader, the only cult leader that they are allowed to follow. There's also this. North Korea has a set of senior communist officials and ruling elite that live only in Pyongyang. This is a way for him to demonstrate to them that nothing is sacred, not even the founder of the nation, other than him and his word. So by instilling this change and that fear, he is also preparing this senior staff and elite for this upcoming reality that war has arrived and they will be expected to sacrifice for their only dear leader. And yet, that doesn't quite explain fully why he feels so emboldened. Why right now in this moment of history? So let us ask and answer that question by crossing the North Korean border this morning into China. Let's talk about what is going on in Beijing. As listeners know, China plans to take back that renegade province, as they say, that is Taiwan. And they will do so by force if necessary. And they're going to do it at some point during the rule of the current president of China, that is, of course, President Xi. And that gives Mr. Kim some pretty important power in his relationship with Mr. Xi, which, long story short, has not always been an easy one between them. But now, Mr. Kim can play a pretty important role if China decides to launch strikes against Taiwan. North Korea now has more and better conventional and advanced weaponry, to both hit our troops in South Korea and Japan, but also with these new solid fuel missiles, they can hit Guam too. 
our missile systems cannot stop them. That will allow China to better assault Taiwan and anything south in places like the Philippines. So if I could put this a little bit differently, North Korea is kind of like a proxy fighter in the same way that Hezbollah or the Houthis are to Iran. They are a vital partner in war. But that is just one country on North Korea's border. There is also another one that is driving Mr. Kim's calculus to ready his nation for war, and that's Russia. For folks who are unaware, Moscow and Pyongyang have had a awkward, strained relationship over the decades. Uh, the North Koreans have been viewed by Moscow as the kind of the, the dumpy junior partner, while Russia was the big, strong bear. But that's changed. Vladimir Putin now needs Kim Jong-un and his production lines of Hwasong missiles and artillery. And that means two things. Mr. Kim's economy is getting a much-needed boost of cash. Plus, there's this, and I can't tell you, folks, this is so very important. Mr. Kim and his military are now watching in real time how their war material works or doesn't. And that has not happened in generations. With every sale of weaponry to Russia, as well as to the, the sales to Iran and their proxy groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, Pyongyang gets to learn. They get to grow. They get to become more confident in both their ability to fight and the material with which they use. And they don't have to ever fire a shot. And that confidence is starting to change and indeed has changed Mr. Kim's calculus that actually he can take back South Korea by force and he can reunify the Korean Peninsula in a way that neither his father nor grandfather could have ever dreamt of. I should also emphasize something, folks, that Mr. Kim's confidence is also growing because of the quality of his arsenal. It is in some ways on par with China and maybe even the United States. And that's because of two things. First, he's got, he's got some very crafty weapon scientists and engineers. They're quite ingenious, actually. But it is especially because Mr. Kim is now getting that critical technology from Moscow. So that means that if Mr. Kim decides to ever push that nuclear strike button, he knows that his weapons are going to land wherever he wants them to go. And that accomplishes whatever mission he might has. And I should be clear that these missiles and the warheads on them can reach here in the homeland. It's not just Guam or Hawaii. And speaking of the U.S., let's step back for a moment and look globally, because Mr. Kim Jong-un certainly is. So what does he see this morning? Well, first, he sees that there is a war in Ukraine that has shown that both the Europeans and the Americans cannot defeat the Russians, either because their supply chains are too weak, or they picked a, a weak partner in Kiev, or the leadership in D.C. and Brussels, they have made some fundamental mistakes and strategy. Second, Mr. Kim sees a war in Israel, a war that is further weakening our Western war machine and our supply chains. He also sees that Iran's proxy groups like Hezbollah and the Houthis, they're actually managing to beat up the West. The Houthis have effectively taken over the Suez Canal, either by stopping or controlling global trade. Plus, he sees that whatever airstrikes that the U.S. or the U.K. have ordered, they're not enough. The Houthis just keep at it. And that shows that the U.S. and Europe are even more weaker than he could have ever imagined. Finally, and boy, oh boy, pay attention to this one, folks. Mr. Kim Jong-un sees how feckless and pathetic that the White House is this morning and America has become, along with our Pentagon. And here's what I mean. 
yes, he's looking at Ukraine. And yes, he's looking at the Red Sea. But he is also looking at our southern border, where millions of people are completely unvetted and they are just strolling in. It's an unarmed invasion. And our federal government is letting it happen or even encouraging it. And Mr. Kim sees that. He sees that his main enemy, along with the South Koreans, are weak, confused, and corrupted. And that is the time when you strike, when your enemy is weak, confused, and corrupted. And that is what is in the mind of Kim Jong-un this morning. And by the way, that is also what is in the mind of President Xi of China. And that is also what is in the mind of the leaders in Tehran and throughout the Middle East and Africa and Asia. They know, ladies and gentlemen, that the once mighty America is mighty no longer. And it is now time to reorder the world, a world that was last reset or reordered at the end of World War II. And that is the moment that you live in. And it is why I have shared with you that Unfortunately, it is one of, if not the most dangerous periods in global history in at least 80 years. So that is my analysis and opinion this morning, and it is yet another reminder of why leadership matters. It's a reminder of what happens when you don't have good leadership and you are perceived as being weak. Now, you may be wondering, what comes next? What will Kim Jong-un do? As the folks at uh, 38 North said, they don't know exactly when or how he will choose to fire the buttons and create this next coming war. Well, the honest answer in terms of what comes next is, I don't know. And here's the scary part. Neither does the White House nor the CIA. North Korea is called the Hermit Kingdom for a reason. They are incredibly isolated. They are paranoid. They lock out outsiders. And Mr. Kim Jong-un is not always the most rational of persons. Sometimes, yes, he is, but sometimes during a a heavy drinking spell or an an emotional meltdown when he doesn't have his pills, he is not necessarily a rational guy. So that's why I don't know what comes next. But I do know this. I will be watching for signals about what is to come because it will absolutely impact you. This man has missiles that can be armed with nuclear weapons that can hit you and your homes, folks. Every single state in this union are on his radar. So that is what I will be watching for, my friends, and as ever, I will keep you posted. Now, I hope my words this morning have been helpful, informative, and I'm sure a little bit sobering, but that is the state of the world this morning. It is an unhappy companion to the state of the union. We spoke about that yesterday. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. My friends, have you gotten your Factor Meals yet? If not, holy smokes, you should. Factormeals.com is the best meal delivery company in the United States. I promise you this. I have tried the others. These guys are it. They give you more than 35 different meal options to choose from every single week. That includes Calorie Smart, which is a pretty good idea after the holidays. Also, they've got Protein Plus, which is a great idea for after the gym. And even vegetarian options, which is a great idea for people who are crazy. Just kidding. We love our vegetarians, too. Well, anyway, it's all delivered, ladies and gentlemen, fresh, right to your doorstep, never frozen. All you got to do is open the box, and after a couple of minutes of heating, you have got a great meal to enjoy. And that's true for breakfast, lunch, dinner, 
Plus, they've got some wonderful grab-and-go snacks and some tasty cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. As ever, I've told you this before, I love their pork chops. They've also got shredded chicken tacos that are so good. Also, they've got a new lasagna that is out, and it is top-notch. These meals, folks, really are delicious, and they are a perfect option for either busy people like me or retired folks who just want good, healthy meals, but they don't want the fuss of cooking. So support the folks who support this podcast, my friends, and get yourselves Factor Meals at 50% off right now. So go to factormeals.com slash right five zero. That's W-R-I-G-H-T five zero. And you get 50% off. Yeah. Again, that's promo code right five zero at factormeals.com slash right five zero and get that 50% off. But more importantly, my friends, you're getting a meal service that is good for your body and great for your taste buds. I guarantee it. Folks, a few months ago, you might remember that I had a very strange tech issue. My gear melted down on me. Well, to fix and protect those systems, I used a company called Cronovi. That's spelled K-R-O-N-O-V-I. And I want to tell you about them. It's a small IT company that offers a range of services from advanced forensic challenges like mine, but also for simple consumer needs too like website creation or basic tech support or helping you install and operate some fancy gadgetry that maybe you got at a birthday or Christmas time. Meanwhile, for businesses, they offer you a ton of great advanced services too, like app development or digital transformation, cloud services, e-commerce, and they do all of that and so much more at a tremendous value. By the way, the most important part of that value for me was trust. Cronovi has an Idaho-based, U.S.-run tech support team with professional certifications and backgrounds that certainly impressed me, and I know it will impress you. So go to Cronovi.com. Again, that is K-R-O-N-O-V-I. Reach out to their team, and they will get back to you on whatever your tech project might be, that be big or small, personal or business. Plus, here is an awesome benefit. For the folks who are paid subscribers on Substack, you are going to get 20% off of all of Cronovi's services. Just look for the promo code on the daily emails that I send you. And that discount, that could be hundreds or even thousands of dollars in savings, depending, of course, on your project. So again, everybody, go to K-R-O-N-O-V-I.com and use this wonderful Idaho-based, American-run tech team that I use and trust. Again, that's K-R-O-N-O-V-I. Com. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. One week ago today, I got an email from a company called NewsGuard. As I shared with you on Monday, I had never heard of this company before. I was, uh, however, quite taken aback by their first email to me. As the NewsGuard employee said to me last week, quote, I am reaching out because we are in the process of analyzing The Right Report, and I wanted to inquire about the show's apparent right-leaning perspective in which it appears to only include one-sided opinion, end quote. The email went on to highlight three segments, or briefs, uh, from three recent episodes of the hundreds and hundreds that I've done. These folks at NewsGuard highlighted one brief on the immigration crisis on our southern border, another was about Mexico, and a third was about Miss Claudine Gay at Harvard University. NewsGuard's employee then asked me, quote, 
Why doesn't the Right Report episodes, why don't they regularly present alternative viewpoints? End quote. It, also, the employee added, quote, We see the podcast's self-description, and it does not address or identify the apparent uh, right-leaning perspective of the show. Why isn't it disclosed somewhere so your audience can easily access it before listening to the program? End quote. So that's what arrived in my inbox on Friday of last week. So today, we are going to close out this episode and talk about this company, NewsGuard, and why I think it fits so perfectly into the briefs that I gave you back on July 3rd about the history of fake news in America. As listeners will recall, we went back all the way to the 1700s to talk about fake news in this country and how the media has long been about power, money, and or ego. And I am going to make the case to you that with NewsGuard, it's about how one political party and ideology is trying to control the news and truth, also that it can control power and the country. And let's start with what we know about NewsGuard. What do we know about them? Well, they claim on their website that their mission, their purpose, is to evaluate media platforms like websites and podcasts like mine for political bias. And they rate these platforms based on their own NewsGuard internal procedures and protocols which were created, executed, and managed by at least their executives and their staff. They also, by the way, provide or sell these ratings to different parties who might be interested, such as advertisers and companies who might be looking to market their products and services. Well, NewsGuard wants to help those folks to, quote, advertise on quality news sites and avoid propaganda or hoax sites, end quote. NewsGuard also promises to help governments by using their rating systems to, quote, counter hostile disinformation operations targeting their citizens, end quote. And they do that, of course, by working with governments, which include Canada, some in Europe, and the United States. In fact, we've seen some deals that were signed by the Biden White House. So that is their claimed mission. But is it really? Because in my years as an intel officer, I know that these companies, or nonprofits in some cases, can also be front operations for groups or partisans that are seeking a, a veneer of, of a legitimacy. But at the end of the day, they're really just malignant actors with an axe to grind. So I looked at the personnel of NewsGuard to, to help me understand if this was a legitimate corporate enterprise, really trying in earnest to stop fake news, or were they really just a bunch of malignant hacks? Well, I looked first at their executives. One of their founders and the CEO is a guy named Stephen Brill. Mr. Brill is a longtime donor to exclusively Democrat politicians and causes. Interestingly, that was not disclosed to me in their email, nor is it on their website, at least as of this recording. And that, one could argue, is a little bit odd for a company promising and selling transparency. Next, I looked at their board members. On this very small five-member board includes Mr. Brill and someone named Elise Jordan. She's a political analyst for MSNBC, which is a far-left media outlet, at least uh, as judged by allsides.com, and a study by the Proceedings of National Academies of Sciences, PNAS is the acronym it is known by. And if there were any doubt about the political leanings of Miss Elise Jordan in particular. She said recently that Donald Trump should be, quote, in a straitjacket and given some kind of injection, end quote. 
And to be clear, that is totally fine. She has a right to that opinion. But we should probably ask, is that sort of person appropriate to have on the board of a company that promises to ferret out fake news and help people and governments globally to avoid partisan propaganda? Hmm. Third, NewsGuard has a group of advisors. Now, it is unclear exactly what role these folks have. NewsGuard says that they, quote, provide advice and subject matter expertise, end quote. Okay, well, that's interesting because in my searches, I found that at least seven of these folks were major Democrat donors and supporters of only leftist causes. There were also uh, former Obama uh, cabinet officials. There was also another interesting person, an old CIA colleague of mine named a retired General Michael Hayden. For folks unaware, the U.S. Senate found that Mr. Hayden, who was a former CIA and NSA director, he had lied to the American people and to Congress about this issue of torture back in the day. And these folks released a damning report on this man and his conduct. For the record, it was written by a Democrat, Senator Dianne Feinstein of California at the time. Well, now this guy provides advice and expertise of some kind to NewsGuard, which promises transparency and integrity. Interesting. Finally, we've got the NewsGuard staff. These are dozens of people who use NewsGuard's protocols to rate websites and podcasts like mine. But who are they? Well, NewsGuard lists some of their very bare bones information about their professional history. But that's not the point. That's not what I'm after. What are their political affiliations? Do they donate to certain political uh, groups or causes? And if so, which ones? Also, do they volunteer for any political campaigns or nonprofits, either on the right or the left? Well, those, I think, are pretty important questions to have answered for a, a company that is promising transparency and fleshing out bias and propaganda. So I asked these questions about the staff to NewsGuard, and they refused to fully answer. Although in one of their emailed responses to me, a senior NewsGuard official did say this, and I tell you, listen to this closely because it is critical. Quote, each rating that we, NewsGuard, issue about websites and podcasts is reviewed and edited by multiple people to mitigate any individual bias of our staff and ensure we are as fair and accurate as possible, end quote. So let's talk about the key words and phrases in that set of sentences. NewsGuard, as they just now say, they only seek to mitigate their own bias, whatever that might be, but not eliminate it. And they try to create ratings that are as fair and accurate as possible, but not wholly fair or accurate, because that is not possible, as they admit. Ah, one last thing. In the year 2021, a study of NewsGuard found that their rating system has, quote, an extraordinary left-wing bias, end quote. Well, as for why that might be, now you have some facts and data about this company for your consideration to answer that question. Although I should say, to be fair, NewsGuard claims that the study I just referenced is absolutely flawed. So let me summarize what we know before I move on to my analysis and opinion. We know that NewsGuard is a for-profit company that is stacked with the preponderance of people who are on the left, with a staff that has some kind of bias. We don't know what it might be, but that staff then reviews websites and podcasts like mine. With those ratings in hand, they work with governments and advertisers all around the world to help them 
to avoid media outlets that NewsGuard has determined to have some bias or spread propaganda. Now, never mind that NewsGuard's protocols and personnel, they of course have their own biases, which in fact NewsGuard has admit. And they've also acknowledged that they cannot eliminate those things, those biases. So those are the facts and data about NewsGuard and my experiences with them so far. Let me now weave this into my analysis and opinion, thinking about that special about fake news from last July. And I'll say, just in case NewsGuard is listening, the following is my analysis and opinion. You may judge it however you would like, but to be very clear, this is protected by the First Amendment, if you care about such a thing. NewsGuard is a partisan shakedown operation. As an intel officer at the CIA, I saw fraudulent outfits like this frequently, especially nonprofits who would pretend to be one thing, like a, the humanitarian group. But their money, their staff, their private correspondence that I got to read via satellites and other fun espionage-like things, well, all that told me that they were something else, oftentimes a, a front for things like terrorists. In the case of NewsGuard, we know that it is built by leftists, far leftists in some cases, who are trying to use their rating system to break the backs of ideological opponents in the media, whether those are opponents are, are real or perceived. And they do it in a very sneaky way. They cherry pick articles or episodes or segments that fit whatever desired rating they have in their mind. And then they concoct that number, which in my case was already ready less than 48 hours after they first contacted me. Now, I know that I am not alone in being targeted with this shakedown. NewsGuard is being sued right now for $13 million in damages by something called the Consortium for Independent Journalism. They're suing them for defamation and a constitutional violation of speech. And this is also interesting. NewsGuard, as I referenced earlier and noted earlier, they have taken cash from the Biden Departments of Defense and State. The allegation is that NewsGuard has helped to censor or alter the coverage that you see about Ukraine. Russia, COVID, other pandemic-related information, amongst many other topics. NewsGuard allegedly downgraded or downrated those media outlets that challenged the Biden White House and their talking points. Meanwhile, they upgraded or uprated those folks who agreed with the Biden White House or the Democrat Party. So here's the bottom line. I don't know why I have been targeted, but I have been, and I will continue to be. And while I appreciate that some listeners, uh, when I first talked about this on Monday, have said to me, this is a badge of honor. The truth is, this is bad news. I am a one-man shop. I am not a corporate media outlet with lots of lawyers. I need both advertisers and subscribers to make this podcast viable. And they know that, especially about the advertisers. And they know that once NewsGuard uses their baloney rating system to smear people like me, they can then get rid of what, again, they perceive to be their ideological opponents. And that is me, apparently. But this is bigger than me. Because once they get rid of people like me, they control the news. And they control the truth. And then their preferred party or ideology controls the power of the nation. And that is what this is all about. And arguably, always has been. We covered this back in July when I spoke about fake news. The American media system has long been about power, money, and or ego. And these NewsGuard folks, they're just another expression of this. In this case, it's being used by the left, but 
Any tyrannical party or person or ideology could use this. In this case, the fact that it's the Democrats, it's, it's almost beside the point. This is about a group of partisans trying to defeat who they believe to be their opponents. And they say, to hell with the First Amendment. The Constitution to NewsGuard is a speed bump on the way to power for the people that they prefer. So here's my request. If you get value from the right report, like today's executive brief on North Korea or the Dirty Green series or taking you to exotic locations like Bhutan or Benin to help you understand why the stuff over there matters here. Well, here's my request. And it's pretty simple. Have my back. And there are three ways to do that. First, subscribe at rightreport.substack.com. Second, you can donate via my Stripe account. Or third, if you're financially unable to do so, support the companies that support me when you hear me endorse their products. Those are the three ways that good, reasonable people like you can defeat a a partisan rating system like NewsGuard. That is how good, reasonable people like you can make sure that no one person or one party control the truth. Because at that point, when that person or party control the truth, they control the nation. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you on Monday, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.